0: Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop. Episode 18 The Blessing Did I do the right thing? I did. I did. Does doing the right thing always make you feel so shite? Maybe if I talk this out, start for the beginning, I'll start to feel better. That's how it's supposed to work. I'd forgotten something important. It's like as soon as I record these diary entries, I just forget the events happened. But it's no really gone. It's more like it's buried beneath all of the other shite that clutters my head. Sometimes I only find it when it's too late. And sometimes all it takes is one throwaway comment in a conversation to remind me it's there, lingering like frost in winter. And then I have to decide. Deal with it, or try and rebury it. This couple comes into the shop. Two women, early thirties, and one of them has a bun in the oven, and I mean so much bun that the timer's about to go. She even has the waddle of a pregnant woman. I was deep in the shop, no touching anything that looked interesting or that could throw me back a few centuries. The bell went. They came in and made their way over to the desk, where Finn and Reed were, for a change, no biting each other's heads aft. I kept one ear open, fixed on the exchange, whilst I arranged crispy records, some dating all the way back to the twenties by singers I'd never heard of. Kronos was pretending to help by curling up on top of the gramophone that had appeared one day a few weeks back. I'm too scared to inspect it. There was polite chit-chat coming for the front counter. Unusually, Reed's was the first voice I heard. He never speaks to customers unless forced. He was inquiring of the pregnant woman when she was due, as his sister was also expecting. Sister? He has a sister. That's when the lid I'd put on my guilt weeks ago began to loosen, the contents trickling out one drip at a time. The customer answered that she was due next month. Another voice, which I assumed to be the pregnant woman's partner, asked after Reed's situation if he hadn't found a nice fox to settle down we, no cubs of his own on the way. There was the abashed silence that usually follows a question like this, and I stopped arranging the records in their cardboard box. Kronos began to stir. Eyes slowly opening as he noticed the absence movement. Reed answered that he didn't. The pregnant woman scolded her partner, saying that he may not want bairns. Reed was quick to point out, too quick, that it wasn't anything like that. He just had other things to keep him occupied. I know those words weren't meant to injure, and I shouldn't be taking them any other way but they made me feel awful. I, the shop, what we did, were those other things, and they were all keeping him away for his life. A distraction, a temporary stop before he moved on. The lid was fully off the jar, and of those feelings I'd had months back flooded in. I was keeping him here, keeping him trapped. I began to feel like I was taking him for granted. Assuming he'd always be here to help me with things in the shop. What about his family? The ones I'd never asked about? His pals? His life before he'd blown into the shop asking for help? Even though I'd known I was being self-absorbed, selfish, I'd not done anything about it. I'd ignored it, buried it but it had bounced back like an elastic band, except knew it felt ten times worse. Suddenly, I heard my name face someone crouching beside me, feel their hand resting on my shoulder. I jumped out of my skin and glared into Finn's bemused gaze. He apologised, only half sincere, and explained that they'd been calling for me a few times but I'd never answered. Embarrassed and feeling a bit off, I mumbled an apology and stood up. Finn said that the couple were here for a blessing and wanted to see the madam. I'd no idea what a blessing was, but was too distracted to ask. Things were already a bit unusual as soon as we reached the top of the stairs. The madam was already waiting for us at the top rather than the front room, and this time she didn't want me to make tea. She motioned for the couple to sit on the sofa, but instead of me sitting on the floor, I was to take the space beside the madam. I felt, for a brief moment, a panic that I'd been promoted, and I didn't like it. The coffee table was empty save for one battered old tan leather pouch. The cord round the top was loosened so that it was open like a flower in bloom. The bag was just big enough to fit one hand in. I'd no idea what was inside as I couldn't see for where I was sitting. It was weird sitting like a grown up, but my legs weren't any complaining. It wasn't long before Madame Norna began to answer the questions I had not said aloud. She directed these instructions to the couple, sitting opposite, but I knew they were for me as well. She confirmed that the couple were here for a blessing for their unborn bairn. At the mention of the ween, it's Ma placed her hands on her stomach in a way only a pregnant woman can. Protective we a hinty pride. Motioning to the leather pouch sitting open on the table, the madam explained that inside were many different fates, everything that could be, shall be, and will never be. The blessings bestowed on the bairn would be chosen by its parents, who were the conduits of fate in this instance. They were to choose three wooden tiles for the pouch on the table, one each, and then the last one they'd pick together something about this felt comical yet no one was laughing the last time i picked something this way was my flatmate's names in last year's secret santa there was a different atmosphere to the room like walking into a church where people are already praying there's a sense of the divine a something spiritual that you can't quite explain even if you're the world's biggest atheist A kindy, untouchable piece. The first they put their hand in was the matty bee. Looking every way but into the pouch, she moved her hand round. A gentle scraping could be heard from inside as the tiles were shimmied round. Finally, she pulled one out and placed it on the table, in full view of the madam. The tile itself was made of a lightish wood like oak or chestnut, finely glossed. It was blank, and I assumed that it was Face Dune. The next was her partner, who gingerly reached her hand in, and quicker this time took out a tile, placing the one she'd chosen beside the other, again face doon. Then, holding hands, they both reached their free hand in the pouch, which I was surprised was big enough to fit both in, and after some awkward rummaging, they pulled the final tile out and planted it face-down on the table. Everyone turned to the madam expectantly, waiting for her instructions. She nodded encouragingly, and the pregnant woman flipped the tile she'd picked first, so it was face-up. The symbol on it was familiar, like I'd seen something similar before, and the longer I stared... The quicker I began to realize that it was similar to the Madam's language, the one that only the madams can read. Madame Norna began to explain that this symbol, or letter, meant that the unborn bairn would have a happy disposition, seeing the sunshine and everything rather than the gray clouds. A blessing that would serve them well in their life. At her flowery words. I began to feel like I was visiting a soothsayer or tarot card reader, speaking vague promises and predictions. It was quite unlike the madam, who was usually painfully specific. Next was the partner's turn, and she flipped her tile over with eagerness. The madam observed and explained that the bairn would be stubborn, immovable on matters where it thinks it knows best, unwilling to compromise, but it would also have the conviction and courage to see through its decisions. No, sure that was a blessing, and by their reactions there were mixed feelings about it. The last tile was flipped over by both to reveal the final symbol and the final blessing. The bairn would be generous to those it loved, patient, understanding and always willing to help. It would never become their enemy or do something that would genuinely hurt them. There were smiles all around at this reassurance, but I began to wonder, my suspicions awakening. The madam was the only one who could read the symbols on the tiles. We only had her word what she told them was what the tiles showed. Did she have to tell them the truth? did the tiles only show good hings? Regardless of my own thoughts, the parents of the unborn bairn appeared happy weigh its fortune or blessing. They thanked the madam sincerely, and the payment gain in exchange was a wee baby's shoe, intended for the bairn. I still didn't understand how that was a payment. It wasn't even a pair of shoes. They left under a cloudy joy, Buoyed by their thoughts, they a perfect stubborn bairn. After they were gone, I bent down to pick up the pouch, sliding the three tiles over to my side of the table. After an encouraging nod from my boss, I tipped out the contents and wee wooden tiles, about half the size of a domino, scattered across the table. I glanced across and counted. I estimated about twenty, No more than thirty. I frowned. If these were meant to be blessings, reflect the fate of an unborn bairn, then why were there so few? That means that everyone born only has a finite number of options on how their life will turn out. I phrased my doubts as a question, and the madam nodded an understanding. She instructed me to really look at the tiles. Apart from their number, what else did I see? Or rather, no see? I scrutinised the wee tiles. After a few minutes of confusion, I began to pick them up, turn them over in my hand, feel their perfect surface, run my fingers across their smoothed edges. They were all blank, Every one I picked up, even the three that had been pulled out by the couple, were all blank. With even more confusion, I turned back to the madam, waiting for my explanation. She said that only when the parents touched the tiles would the symbol of the bairn's fate appear. I could relax. There's no a finite number of fates. There's infinite. And somehow these tiles could see into the future, or read an unborn bairn's personality. Madam Norna also confirmed that the symbols that appeared on the surface was the madam's language, so only the madams could give the blessing to the expectant parents. I asked if they only told the parents about their bairn's personality. She said they can show anything if the parents ask, but they didn't. Because deep do no parent wanted to know for certain if their bairn would be shite or good. The joy was in the surprise, the potential. In the end, getting a blessing for the madam was a tradition, and no one wanted to hear bad things. I nodded, collecting up the tiles and sliding them back into the leather pouch they came for. Whilst I was doing this task, my boss unusually broached a subject with me. Usually, it's always me who starts a conversation. It wasn't a question, but a statement said with such confidence my head snapped to look at her like a bungee cord. She told me, and I mean told me, that I thought I was holding Reed back. It took me a moment. A moment to check I was not sitting on the customer's sofa, and to fight away the panic that she could read anyone's mind, no just a customer's, before I nodded, gingerly. She reached over and patted me on the hand, as if she understood exactly how I was feeling. In her words, I had to decide if I cared enough about him to let him go. I queried if it was really that simple, if all I needed to do was decide, and that would be it. She confirmed that it was. I was the one wearing the ring, and if I decided I wanted to take it off, then it'd come off. I wanted to call bullshit on that. i have tried to take it off months ago, and it hadn't budged. I glanced down to the ring on my small finger. The fox he'd staring back, eyes shining in the daylight. I hardly noticed it anymore, took for granted that it'd always be there. I hadn't tried to remove it in months either. I knew it was time. If I'm being honest, it was probably past time. I'd been selfish for long enough, only thought about myself, my own convenience, my own feelings and circumstances. I'd never asked Reed if he liked being my familiar, if he liked being in the shop all day, every day, verbally abused by Finn, and let's face it, on occasion, me. I'd never asked about his family, his pals, his life outside. I'd never asked him if he was my pal, because I was afraid the answer was no stealing my cell, squaring my shoulders and ignoring the wee voice in my heed that squealed at me to stop and keep read against his will I marched downstairs and announced to him that we needed to speak in private. Obligingly, both Kronos and Finn made their way up the stairs leaving the two of us alone amongst the antiques. He had a stony face, as usual staring at me with curious eyes his characteristic frown pulling his thick eyebrows together. There were a hundred things I could he said, some bad, some good. Typically, I went for the worst one. I told him flatly that I didn't need him to be my familiar anymore. That was a bare-faced lie. I liked having him round, knowing he was there. Why did I put it that way? I further went on to explain that if those daubers in suits hadn't reappeared by noon, then he was probably safe. He didn't have to stay in the shop and near me. I found it difficult to look at him when these words were spilling out my mouth like vomit after too many Jaeger bombs. I thought I saw relief. I thought I noticed anger. Were his shoulders tenser than they had been? In the silences that followed my words, he never said anything, and this only prompted me to speak more. Nonsensical excuses that came fae nowhere, and were nothing like the truth. In the end, in the silence he left, I grasped a hold of the fox ring on my finger, and wishing we a ferocity that I'd reserved fae Madame Honora during her invasion of the shop, I willed that ring off my finger. And it came off. I couldn't believe it, but it's no like I could show that. Stiffly, like I was holding a filling that had just fallen out of my tooth, I awkwardly placed it on the glass counter. A sign that we were no longer apprentice and familiar. No longer connected. Free. We both stared at the ring. Neither one of us wanting to see the other's reaction. Eventually, after torturous silence when no one moved or said anything, and he realized I wasn't picking the ring back up, he turned his heated gaze on me. Human eyes were replaced with a yellow green af box, narrowed in my direction, anger burning inside. I hailed sharply wanting to take a few steps back, but afraid if I moved, things would get worse. Then it was smothered. His eyes returned to normal, and he took a frighteningly controlled breath out. His fist lashed out and grabbed the ring for the counter violently. The last thing he spat at me before he stormed away was thanks for nothing. My body went slack, and I propped myself up on the counter, fae once despising the silence that lingered in the shop. My ring was gone, my familiar was gone, and I felt like shite. That was a few days ago, and it's no been far fae my thoughts. I didn't know why I didn't just tell him the truth, that I thought I was holding him back, keeping him fae better, happier things. His life, his family, his pals. I didn't know why that felt so hard to say. And it's too late now. Every time I arrive in the shop and he's no there, I have to remind myself of the reason. Every time the bell above the door goes, I assume it's him. I'm like a bloody dog waiting for its owner. But this'll pass, right? I did the right thing. Didn't I? Thank you for listening to episode 18 of The Antique Shop. Episode 19 will be released in two weeks' time. Like walking into a church where people are all. <laughs> and the longer I stared, the quicker I began to realise that it was the madam's shit. It wasn't the madam's shit. <laughs> no, God, I bloody hope not. That would be fucking traumatic. Jesus. She said that only when the parents touched the tiles would the symbol of the bs His fist there's a T at the end of that. <laughs> if you'd like to support Ghostly Thistle and everything we do, then please head over to our coffee account by searching for Ghostly Thistle on Coffee.com and making a donation. If you'd like to get in touch with me about this show, my previous one, or anything else, then my email address is ghostly.thistle at gmail.com Or you can visit me on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Ghostly Thistle. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you tune in next time.